Amazon tiene todo lo que necesitas para tu dormitorio, desde productos esenciales hasta ropa y decoración e incluso ropa de cama para... Si, 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 si estás activas. Y si estás regulares también. Ahorra en todo para la universidad en Amazon. All right, here we go. <laughs> Please subscribe to the channel. Please. Hey guys, YouTube's got an algorithm and it really, really help us out a lot. If you could like, comment and subscribe, this is how we can get more information out to more people and uh, share the message of Toronto real estate. In Thanks. that order, like, comment, subscribe and hit the damn bell. Sometimes you have to accept the current situation for what it is. For what it is. For what we'll blame it, it on the is. interns. It is always easy to blame the interns. So, <laughs> here we are, Mr. TK, another Welcome. Sunday. Hey, all right, excited. Very consistent, man. 10 o'clock every Sunday morning. Note that content. Very excited always for Sunday morning, 10 a.m., to record with my good friend TK. Thanks, Daryl. I appreciate the kind words. They what's are new? What's kind. going on? What's what's happening in the world of Daryl? I feel like I don't know what's going on with Daryl. It has been a ridiculous week, man. I don't know if we want Tell to me. get into this. This could take Tell up the whole episode. <laughs> I'll tell you. There are some real scummy mother F-bombs out there in the real estate development world. I can imagine. Real estate scum. And I mm. have the pleasure of dealing with them all, it seems. It seems that I am a real estate scum magnet. Okay. And they just are looking for trouble. I don't know if they're looking for it, but they're certainly making life more difficult than it needs to be this is a false promises false promises that appear real then appear false then appear real then appear false and will likely end in litigation <laughs> i'll tell you let's i hope i hope that doesn't happen i hope it all works out for you Well, it will work out for me, mm -hmm. but damn it, I will make sure it does not work out for them. <laughs> They will feel the wrath of Daryl. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on out there, you know? A lot of, now this crazy. week is um, Durham, Durham region and other parts of Ontario. They all went into the red zone, right? So some businesses got to open up. Got and, uh, I might, I might have the zones wrong. I, I, the bottom line is businesses in Durham, a lot of them have opened up. Already? Fantastic. Yep, that was this week. Oh, wow. Yeah, I heard uh, somebody we knew was going up to Muskoka to go to a restaurant. And Peel region opens up Monday. I thought Peel and Toronto were not opening. Sorry, York region. Sorry, you're right. York region opens up Monday, and now Toronto and Peel are scheduled for March 9th. Okay. To get out of the whatever zone, okay. the friend zone. What does this mean? Right? What does this no oh. friend zone? What does this all mean, TK? What does it all mean? Does it mean that the real estate market will slow? It means that I got to go to the gym this week. That's what it. That's what it means. You can go to the gym. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Durham region is open, so I I made the trek. Wow. I paid the membership dues. Well, then you better use it. If I, I signed up, I put my name on the list. If I could only tell you how many times I have paid for gym membership fees only to watch them come off my credit card monthly. Yes. Not use them at all. Mm, that's a problem. I've been there. I, I've done that, but I refuse to let it happen again. I may need more fingers to count that number. Okay. It's pretty bad. So, so what does this mean for the real estate market? I mean, How, how is this going to change what people are doing? What do you think? You know what the good news is? Yeah, I was thinking about this. The good news is this. No matter what we say, the odds of us being wrong or the likelihood of us being right 
is the exact same as everybody else out there, whether they're mainstream media or YouTube channel, uh, you know, extraordinaire, because really nobody has a clue. That's what I've nobody, figured out. Nobody has a clue, but I like to think that we've been pretty close on most things so far. I so think far, we are we are right up there with the Well, I, I don't best. I don't think that we have a benefit to pushing a narrative i mean obviously in our in our business lives there's a benefit for us to push a narrative but i don't think we use this platform to do that right i mean i feel like we're we're at least trying to be honest every time that that we do one of these shows right so absolutely i mean how if closing down doesn't make a difference will opening up will we notice anything like well, let's run the scenarios. Okay. What are the scenarios? And then we will Here run the them. scenarios. Okay. Is that all these people who are going to be putting their houses on the market, um, December, January, February, felt like the government was telling them not to because they were in a lockdown. And now the government's saying, hey, you're no longer in that zone. You're in this new zone that you know may make them feel more comfortable putting their houses on the market and the market could be flooded with listings. Is it the twilight zone? It looks like the twilight it zone. It feels like the twilight zone. So hold <laughs> or on nothing a second. makes sense whatsoever. Home buyers facing Canada's tightest real estate market on record. On record. On record. And here in Ontario, further down the chain in Toronto, mm -hmm. we have 1.1 months of inventory. And that's based on numbers from a few weeks ago. And we all know how quickly the numbers have been changing lately. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the number dip under 1.1 on the next round of numbers based on everything I'm hearing. And you're way closer to the uh, to the market than I am. But it does it seem like there has been more inventory in the last couple of weeks? Yes. Oh. But we also had a record week. Like, of like this a last record week. of what? of price increases over asking figures sales number sales, of sales number of sales so we even just, we, we we hit it out of the park like it was like it was like what's going on here like we had about i don't know 10 sales between that were all like it maybe eight to ten sales that were like a hundred to three hundred something thousand dollars over asking just in this one week so when you say hit it out of the park i think of the year when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa both hit like 70 home runs and everybody was saying either the ball is juiced or these guys are juiced. And <laughs> the, market why, juiced. the market is <laughs> juiced, man. It was nuts this week. This, this, this has the potential last week has the potential this week that we're in right now has had, however, when you look at it, the potential to be the peak of the market. That's, 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 that's the feeling that, the peak um, I, I of the market for it to do better next week is like oh my gosh this is crazy but it could happen it could happen i did see a lot of new listings come out though i, I see a lot more properties that are always constantly uh coming out and um not not everybody is successful with uh offer dates not everybody is successful with offer dates what yeah just in the last couple of days i've seen a few properties that uh you know had less offers than they would have you know, earlier on, I mean, pricing too. So one of the big phenomenons of pricing is in order to have people pay a price that they maybe don't feel logically is the, is the, the right price, but emotionally they feel like this is what they need to pay to win. They need to be in competition with people. So when the, the benchmark price for the last year was $700,000 in a neighborhood and you price it again at 700, you attract everybody. And yeah, you might end up selling for a million. But if you then go and list the property for a million or even 900 and think like, well, I, that one sold for a million, you may not get people to agree with that logic. They may say, ah, 900, oh, you know what? Is that really a good price in that neighborhood? So you know, just so I know that one sold for a million, but should I really get attached to that price? So just to be clear here. Yeah. Sellers are getting greedier because they're seeing what their neighbors get. One hundred percent. OK, but hold on. One. Let me let me finish the thought. So yeah. they're, they're getting greedier. But the reason that the previous seller is actually getting to that number is because they're creating a frenzy at an unrealistic price. 
right? At a place that was realistic from a time. 2017. That yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, but okay. So, so, but pricing it low to get a bidding war started and uh, excessive exuberance taking over and fear of missing out and frustration from the past and all of that stuff carries the price to a point where it probably shouldn't be, but ends up. And then the next guy goes, instead of using the same strategy that worked, I'm way smarter than that guy. I'm going to start it at that price and hope for more. Yes. Right. Daryl, so smart you are. Look at me. That's exactly what happens. But that is what's happening. And that makes yeah. sense because we are a greedy, greedy species. Yes. We are a greedy, so, greedy species. This is my, honestly, this is my honest opinion when people underprice a property. And this is human nature. This is what the public thinks and everything like that. How come you as an agent can't just price the property properly? Don't you know how to do a proper market analysis? Don't you know what it's really worth? How dare you underprice it and waste everybody's time? I've heard that a million times, you know? And when I see properties sell way over, I'm like, well, why was it even priced at that, that point? But when the appetite of the buyers and the temperature pressure whatever you want to call it of the market, the flavor of the market is to compete and go in at over asking the right strategy of an experienced agent and a um, willing and, and uh, knowledgeable seller. Okay. Is to price it at whatever the last 12 month average is in that neighborhood. 12 you start going average? and pricing it at, well, yeah. I mean, if the average, if there's been 10 sales in your neighborhood, and they were all between 700 and 800, and now they're at a million. Pricing it at a million is not going to drive the traffic that you want. You price it within that oh, seven I to 800, okay. like every other house has been selling for the last year. And see and where you're going to bring in the buyers. And see where it goes. See where it goes. And, and what we're so what we're seeing is people are pricing it at the last number. I mean, this is typical, right? They're pricing it. They're expecting the last number that got sold, right? So, so what you're saying is the wrong strategy is to start there because if the market really is there, whatever you price it at will take it to where it's supposed to be. What buyer wants to fulfill a greedy seller's demands? It seems to me. None of them do. Like none. No buyer wants to pay a price because the seller's going to make it big. No, they no want a buyer agrees to that. But they're okay paying a price to win. They're okay to beat the other buyers out. And when you walk into that property priced at 700, I think that Daryl the seller who's only offering, who's only asking 699 for his property is fair. You know, Daryl understands the market. He understands that these properties have been selling for 700 for the last year, okay? And that He's reasonable. Daryl's reasonable. He's a good person. I want to buy a house off of Daryl. He's, he's somebody that I want to work with. Now, Daryl, evil Daryl, he prices is at $9.99. <laughs> oh, that Daryl, he's so greedy. What is he even thinking about? I don't want to deal with him. Why am I going to put money in his pocket? I'm going to find something else. Don't even bother looking into this property. I don't even want to see it. And is that actually happening? Of course nobody's looking at it and putting in an offer at what they want to make an offer at. I've seen several listings that are offers anytime now because they priced it at the point where the last properties were selling it. Hmm. So it seems to me like realtors are a pretty quick bunch and they'll realize that this is backfiring quickly and we'll be back to where we were two weeks ago or a week ago or four days ago pretty quickly. I think that most agents who are experienced are still able to um, demonstrate to their clients that the pricing it attractively strategy is the right one to go with right now in this market. And unless you can communicate that to your seller, then the seller becomes the expert in the situation and they tell the agent how to price it and they end up not getting the most amount of money possible. That is that's what happens. So we have rural areas around Ontario now that Perfect are getting example. some crazy prices well above mm -hmm. asking well above real market value but from people from Toronto that just cashed out crazy right have loads of cash on them and want that house and locals saying 
Oh, for God's sakes, I've been saving up for 10 years to buy a house like that. And now it's 30% more than it was last year because of these motherfuckers from Toronto, Toronto right? Yeah. The dumb Toronto money that just got lucky. Yeah. So, 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 but you can't do anything about that. I mean, it sets the market all over again. So, so is this pace sustainable and even if it's not, what the fuck is going to stop it? What is going to stop it? They're not going to stop flooding the market with money. You got Benjamin Tal saying, not even dreaming. Tal says Bank of Canada won't move before Fed. Meaning Bank of Canada is not, first of all, they've already said they're not moving the rates till 2023. Now, do we believe them? Who the hell knows? They could do whatever they want whenever they want, right? If, if mm-hmm. inflation gets out of hand, which it's not happening at all right now, prices on everything have not changed significantly at all. Bastards. But anyways, they're not going to move until the U.S. Fed moves, right? Yeah. So does the, f- like, does the states have a benefit to moving anytime soon? So, so, so why would they move interest rates? What's the number one reason that they, f- they need to raise interest rates? To curb inflation. Because the economy gets out of control, right? People start spending up. and they start, there's too much money out there. So but, they figure, okay, we the, need to control this. But the, it, the economy is not getting out of control. The real estate market is getting out of control. The economy is actually not doing so well, right? Yes. Ontario just lost... Last month, like 350,000 jobs. And then on top of that, 750,000 are underemployed or have less work than they had before. That's, a, that, that's bad. And in, and in the States, Biden's uh, got a $1.9 trillion stimulus plan in order to be able to put money into the economy. So clearly their perspective is that their economy needs more stimulation. So they will be keeping their rates lower. So who until... wins from all this? Who let's 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 go under the assumption that somebody wins from all of this, okay? And they're obviously the ones that are in control of this happening. So they decide whether the rates go up or they go down. Um, through whatever mechanism, I have no idea. And this is not conspiracy theory. This is just What's going on? So somebody's benefiting from all of this happening, right? So at, at what point do they stop benefiting from what's going on, right? I think at the end of the day, if, if there's government involved, the, first, the people who are benefiting are the ones who were elected officials because their mindset is always how to ensure that I don't become known as the fill-in-the-blank who crashed the economy the fill-in-the-blank who couldn't save the, the people, the fill-in-the-blank who wasn't able to come up with a, enough financial stimulus to be able to get us out of the, the, the muddy waters, right? So I think that that's, that's so, the, the overall decision-makers who are, who are making sure that everything happens the way that it is. So in 2008, we had interest rates around 3 3.5%. 2018, sorry, I don't know what came out of my mouth. I think I heard 2008. 2018, we were hovering around three, three and a half. 2013, we were around 5%. And everybody was, back then when they lowered it to those numbers, everybody was like, whoa, this is irresponsible. This is crazy. Now Mm -hmm. we're at one point something percent, right? And the market is going insane and people are losing their jobs. We, I think we talked about it last week or the week before, like the eviction rates are going out of control they they put an end to evictions but like i don't even know how many people got kicked out of their houses we've got people that are getting in trouble from the government for building uh homeless people little tiny houses (laughs) we've got have you driven around downtown like there's tents everywhere like all of this is happening and I mean for a lot most people it, it feels like the economy's doing really well and it's getting out of control, right? But the reality is that like you have all these people right now who thought they were opening tomorrow in Toronto and Peel, all mm-hmm. these little stores who just stocked up the shelves, cleaned up the place again 
got ready to open hired people and they've had to say oh sorry like we can't open you don't have a job again for maybe two weeks yeah yeah maybe I've ta- and i've talked weeks. to some business owners too so they got you know the first forty thousand uh, dollar loan they they are having a hard time getting the extra 20 they qualified for the commercial rent assistance when their landlord was um, responsible for making the application, but now that they are the government services, um, uh, you know, uh, system, the back end stuff like that isn't isn't as effective, and, and it takes a lot longer. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that even though the government's offering it out, um, you know, it doesn't mean that everyone's getting it when they need it as fast as they do, right? So I think. There's a major, major, major storm coming. I, I'm not, I'm not like the the bearish market guy who's calling the market to collapse, but I think that there's going to be a influx of new listings. I mean, that's just, it's going to come. I don't know if it's going to be this month or next month or May or the summer. Yeah, but even, I have no idea. But so, there's got to be because there's also a huge amount of people, and it's what it is is it's going to be a snowballing effect. There are so many people I'm working with. I know people who are working with, I've heard of anecdotally and everything else who are ready to make a move. They want to make a move. There's just no inventory. So as soon as inventory goes up 5%, it means not only does it give people more options to buy, but it unlocks another bit of inventory. Then inventory goes up another 5%. Not only does that give more options for people to buy who are looking to move, but it unlocks that next stage of inventory. So every time inventory opens up, it's, it's never going to be satisfied. It's, there's always going to be more supply coming to the market, right? And then you have to think, there's got to be a finite amount of demand. There's got to be a certain amount of people who are looking to buy who are not going to be selling. So eventually that will be satisfied and you're going to be looking at, okay, who's going to buy all these houses now, right? That are, that are on the market. And if everybody's left the city and not, it's a, it's a small number, I know, but there are lots of people moving out of the city who want to... Uh, you know, who want to get away or, or whatever it is. So, so even, we have, even though what I'm saying sounds awfully bearish, I, I can't disagree with you more. I, I can't okay. disagree with what you're saying more because I love it. Uh, well, this is, this is why, this is why we love each other. Good. The, the, the demand cannot be satiated. Cannot. Okay. It cannot. All right. So it will take a crazy occurrence on top of the pandemic. And listen, I think the reality is that we're at some point going to be coming out of the pandemic, even if they lock us down again because of a variant third wave and whatever horseshit they come up with next. Okay, Mm -hmm. at some point, this will end. And right now, the demand is only fueled by locals. Right. Whether they're moving out, moving in from some other province or whatever, it's all local buyers. And they're going to bring in like uh, maybe a new land transfer tax, not in 905 like I predicted, but in 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 Toronto, which is only for the land. The land transfer tax got voted down. um, I thought I read that it got voted in. But anyways, fine. So fine, take that out. It was going to generate okay. peanuts. We'll edit, we'll edit that one out. We'll edit no, that one. I still think I read that it's coming in. But anyways, it doesn't matter. No, they voted They voted no council on uh, Thursday or something, maybe Friday. Hmm. Okay, anyways. Run so a real estate board publicizes this to us because they they claim the victory. They claim like, the we victory, yeah. lobbied for this. And sure. it's like, you had nothing to do with it. And Trump. it didn't even matter. Take credit like, when you can. 1% on $2 million plus sales. It's like, it's, it yeah. didn't even move the needle. Anyways, but empty house tax is not going to move any needles and make a difference like none of it's going to change anything there's nothing that's going to satiate this demand if anything the demand will increase as immigration starts and they start letting students back in and they start letting people start flooding into the city there's zero doubt in my mind that that's the way it's going to go and there is no amount of red tape that you can remove in the development process that will quickly bring on all of the inventory. So just for example, you're ta- we were talking a few weeks ago, 70 offers on a house, 50 offers on a house. You're saying that that's gone down a little bit because people are getting greedy. But like, I guarantee you that most houses are still getting more than 10 offers on a house, right? 
I read articles about bully offers. You know, there's seven bully offers on houses sometimes, right? Condo for sale in Toronto sparked a bidding war and set an all-time record. Like, these bidding wars are not letting up. But let's just use a number for argument's sake. Yeah. Ten offers on average on a house? Yeah. Yeah. So that means that there is what? 90% less inventory than necessary. Okay. We have one like month worth. Houses, but we only have one. Yep. Right? Uh, yep. And, and maybe I'm wrong, but l let's just use that for simple math. We don't have enough houses for the demand that there is right now by 90%. We don't okay. have enough supply coming online to match that. No matter what happens, we're not going to have an increase that huge. We have one month of inventory right now. So even if we get to four months of inventory, which is what? A six million percent increase. I can't do the math in my head, but it's okay. a gigantic increase. You're not even at balanced market yet. I understand. And if the current rate of demand stays the same and the, the supply doesn't come up, I, I, to I totally agree with you. No, but, but what if the demand gets higher? that's that's possible but it, there is also a chance that things change right now the human behavior element is is number one right now it's just i'm not comfortable i'm at home i need to go move i've been dealing with buyers for a long time they they don't always stay on track you know they have a desire to move i need a bigger house i need a bigger room i need more space i need a new kitchen blah, blah, blah. and then i should go start looking at houses and then all of a sudden oh you know what i'm comfortable with where i am oh you know what I don't, my job is actually going to need me to come in three days a week. I thought it would only be once. Oh, you know what? I can renovate my kitchen and now I'm a lot happier. Oh, you know what? Market's not good. I heard bully offers. I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in that. Oh, I heard there's no more bully offers. That means it must not be a good time to buy. Trust me. Things can change overnight quickly. I am with you. Prices like this. Do, 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 do. Over the next 100 years, I'm just saying the market right now, and this is what we talked about the last show. It was just me and you is insane because of the multiple offer scenarios, because of the pressure on prices, because of the fear of missing out that the buyers have. Once that goes away, where all of a sudden the buyers go, hold on a second, there's three options. For the last three months, I only had one every two weeks that I liked. Now I have three houses that I would buy. You know what? If I don't get this one, I'll get another one. You know what? If I don't make this one Tuesday night, I'll make the offer on Wednesday night. Right? Oh, another one just came up next week. You know what? Offer them what the last one sold for back in May 2020. And if I don't get it for that price, I know that there's another one coming out. It changes so quick now. I'm telling you. We can't can't rely on the demand to remain the same. The 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 this week, the deal of the week. Can we talk about the deal of the week? We should talk is this the video that we put the out? Video, yeah. So so we're working on those videos, guys. Bear with us, all right? <laughs> this is a property that the guy close. He calls me in December. He's a flipper. He came to me and said, oh, I just bought this great property. It's, you know, it's dumpy and it's got, you know, whatever, tenants that were bad. And I got them out and everything's fine and I'm going to sell it. And I said, well, you know, he paid a million bucks. I said, honestly, the market just jumped up because now's the time that, that uh, you know, there was a huge change between December and, and, and January. So I said, maybe just put it back on the market and, you know, you'll probably make some money without even touching anything. He's like, no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to put some flooring in and put some new cabinets in and, uh, you know, reglaze the bathroom and throw in a new van, like, you know, minimal investment, but real nice lipstick on the property. So about uh, whatever a month or so goes by, he gets it all done. He calls me up and says, I'm ready to list, you know, one thing after another, it took about another week to get it on. And uh, he said, you know, this is the number that I want. And I said, you're crazy. It's never going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, but I said, look in the neighborhood, this is what's been selling. This is where prices are. You're right on the hydro field. That's why no one wanted to buy this property. And it was on the market for three years before he bought it. Three years, no one wanted to buy this property. And I said, let's get it on at a price that everybody knows is reasonable because they're going to see that you just paid a million. They're going to see that you put some money in. But if you only ask a hundred grand more, then everyone's going to say, yeah, that's reasonable. Make sense? So- if that's the what goal happens. is you to get more than a hundred grand more, then it makes sense for sure. Yeah. But not pricing it at that point because there was another property on the market at one point three that's identical, not backing onto the hydro field, and that was sitting there for months. Where is this? Young and Finch. Ah, I knew that just from you saying hydro field. There you go. So we listed it at one point one. 
had 40, 50 showings, maybe something like that. It was a, it was a good amount of showings, good activity. A couple of people talked about bully offers. A couple of people asked me questions about, you know, the house and the work he'd done and, you know, what is he expecting and all that kind of stuff. And, and in the end, we got a few offers. Like it wasn't a ton of, ton of activity, but, you know, two people specifically were very keen on it. And, you know, they ended up bidding with each other. And at the end of the day, the person paid um, $290,000 over the asking price. And it was $400,000 more than it just closed for 60 days later. I was talking to a friend of mine about that. And it was like, <clears throat> this, this, I don't remember seeing stuff, <clears throat> excuse me, seeing stuff like that in, in Toronto before. Like that's stuff you see on HGTV in Texas. You know, yeah. that normally isn't possible. I mean, still, yeah. so the guy made 280. How much money did he put in? He paid realtors. He paid land transfer tax. I, I'm closing not saying, costs, yeah, blah, I'm blah, not blah. saying he's, I mean, he's he still did great for 60 days. 60 days though. 60 days. We're not talking about a long time here. And it's a three crazy. week closing. Yeah. Just crazy. Right? Three week closing firm offer. Yeah. Wow. Right. So at the end of the day, that pressure, that the attitude of the buyer to only be competing with a few other people to go in $290,000 over asking the fact that they're even willing to go up to that price. The fact that they feel like that was the right move to make the like the fact that the market didn't have an, any other options for them to, to take on in that neighborhood that, you know, could be a future of development site too, right? Like you can build on the lot if you, if you wanted to, um, that's because of the way that, that the current situation is the, the psychology of the buyer is, I need to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars over asking on any property I, I like a lot. So, so I but, need to, or else I won't get it. So, but you, will, your theory is that, sorry, what? your, your theory is that all of a sudden there's going to be an influx of inventory enough so that people will have multiple options in the same area. Soon? In 2017, when the prices changed, it wasn't overnight. It was overnight, but it wasn't overnight because I watched for months people who never got the message, hey, to, uh, free April 21st, 2017 prices because their agent didn't understand that the market had changed and they still paid those prices for whatever reasons. Maybe it was multiples. Maybe the person was asking a high number and they didn't negotiate enough. They just made I don't know, $20,000, $30,000 under the asking price and they felt like they were getting a good deal. I watch those prices still happen. So no, it's not overnight and there's lots of stuff, but so it, it what, can change quickly. So what stopped things in 2017 again? Well, other the B20 measures came out and in foreign buyers tax and, uh, you know, restricted lending measures. And there was all these things that came out that really didn't affect because the stress test didn't start until I think it was the end of 2017. I think it was in October. Or something yeah, like didn't, that. There was a huge push at the end of the year because it was going to start the following year. Right. Yeah. But still in one day, it was the psychology of the buyer that said, Oh, the government's got involved and now things are different. Their, their capabilities didn't change anything that they, um, could have could have bought it didn't change there wasn't a huge influx of inventory so how there, long it did really it change just... for pardon how long did it change for close to two years really yeah how come it wasn't I... until the end of 2019 again that we started to see really strong activity and then 2020 came out with a bang and we, we hit the pandemic hmm. right i don't so again, remember it's... it being so bad or long it depends if you're in the market or not, you, you, you experience it differently. Right. So, cause we're selling properties the whole time you go from, it's so easy to sell a property to how many price changes do we have to make to be even get this one sold yeah. to, okay, we better make sure we take the listings at the right price or else they're not worth taking. And then you kind of watch things grow. Right. So hmm. definitely uh, a big, um, big hit. So anyways, again, prices, they're going up long-term hundred percent. But there will be some anomalies right now that people are paying that the appraisals and their neighbors and their investment uh, specialists will be letting them know down the road, whether it be a few weeks or a few months or a few years, that they overpaid for that property. And uh, they, they're not going to be very happy about it because they made a decision on emotion. Hmm. And this, I mean, this mainly matters 
for people that don't plan on living in the house as their house and you know are looking at it as an investment right people who need to get out yeah like well or or planned initially to get out quick and make money right yep refinance it or you know something like that long term you can't lose stay in your house good for you 20 years later you'll be happy you bought it because it's gonna be worth double or more right why do I not remember it being such a lull for two years? I guess because I'm more in the condo market. Well, yeah. but it's more right. condo. Condos were condo going market bananas the whole time. Booming. No mm-hmm. issues with the condo market. Wow. I guess uh, this would be a better time than later to ask people to subscribe and like if you're still what a watching. What idea. Yeah. Yeah. Now, on good average, idea. I don't think most people are watching right now. But if you still are. Yeah, we would really appreciate shout out to the guys who came from Spotify just yes. to like comment and subscribe to our YouTube channel because we're not really pros in the other podcast world. We know we know we're on there, but we're not really we don't really know what we're doing. We've so for the YouTube stuff, we're getting we're getting the hang of. Well, I guess that's a matter of perspective as well, <laughs> but it's a good time to thank everybody because this is yeah. uh the the more and more people listen to it, the more fun you and I seem to have doing it. Yeah, exactly. So this is this is getting pretty cool. I'm really enjoying myself here. Um, Do we have any articles to talk about today? Is there yeah, any ones that you were like? There's a million articles on TorontoRealEstateShow.com. Kudos to you. You our website is a killer. Yeah, all thanks. those articles on there. That's kind of like my resource now for real estate articles. Is just go to our website and. Go to our Every website. article I need to read is on there. Updated daily with the pertinent Toronto real estate articles. Yeah, there's yep. all kinds of stuff on here right now. <clears throat> this one's interesting, I think. Why Toronto's office towers aren't dead yet? We had our friends there, um, Jeremiah and Miles, explain that to us. Yes. Let's take a look at this for a sec. Oops. What yeah. am I doing? Bear with me. There we go. Why Toronto's office towers aren't dead yet. So I don't know why they're not dead yet. I mean, what the article is <laughs> talking about here is how Scotiabank is leaving the top floor of their uh, Scotiabank or Scotia Plaza. They've uh-huh. got Facebook, they got Twitter, space. Shopify, who funny enough have all kind of increased the amount of space that they're planning on leasing, but they've all told their employees to like stay home. As long as they want. Did they? So they, they increase their size and they still. Yeah, it's pretty weird. They're increasing their sizes, but telling people that it's okay to stay home. Uh, vacancy rate is uh, 7.2% or 11%, depending on how they look at it. I mean, from one sentence to the next, the numbers change. But people are leasing space downtown the real issue with office space right now is that the majority of the space is sublease so all of the companies that are in trouble are trying to sublease their space to get out of their contract without getting sued right yeah i like i like they did they did kind of qualify a few things so one they said that uh some of the subprime space was dragging down the uh, actual vacancy rate. Then you have in the national space, you got like Calgary and Edmonton, which are like 20% or more. That was also dragging down the national averages, right? So overall, the downtown core, the, the prime um, vacancy, with the prime space uh, vacancy rates are actually not doing that bad. I think it was only about a 3% difference. Well, and especially to what it was the before. good space, right? Yeah. Especially so the people, good space. People are, and we've talked about this just to summarize it quickly which is what uh, Jeremiah and uh, Miles shared with us, is that the companies who are staying are getting more space because they need to keep people spaced out. There's a huge influx of new companies that are now more successful than they ever were before who need space because the pandemic has created that. And um, the work from home space, again, is not because of uh, in-office collaboration. They don't have the capabilities or desire to really make this a permanent thing where they're going to be only working from home. It's going to be at least coming in a couple times a week, which means they need space. And their current space is suitable because 
they can just have less people coming into the office, like the warehouses, the factories, the job sites, all that stuff. They still have the same space that they're working in. It's just the shifts of everybody has changed so that there's less people crossing paths. So let's analyze this for a moment. Because you brought up work from home and we're talking about the offices downtown being dead, which is a direct result of work from home. Um, mm -hmm. So in in some of my dealings out, outside of this show, I'm involved in um, very early stages of 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 the process and, and through development and, and through some marketing. And what I'm seeing a lot of right now is a shift in um, the plans that people are producing for new development sites. And everybody is putting in some form of workspace, whether nice. it's a tiny 550 square foot condo or a townhouse or a three bedroom, like no matter what, Either yep. inside the suite or inside the house, there is a office somewhere now, like a nook for someone to set up a desk or a full-blown office space. Um, and then in the buildings, they're making like shared workspaces where people can go and yeah. on an app, they can go take a room for a few hours and there's a computer there and a webcam and a good microphone and, you know, all the resources that somebody needs for, for a good business meeting or, or online, a virtual business meeting. A and yeah. so the question I pose to you is, is this smart? Is this short-sighted? Is it just going to be a marketing ploy? Because do is this really going to be a permanent solution to a temporary problem? Or is this temporary problem a permanent problem? This is not a problem that has been um, exacerbated by COVID, right? Like, when you think about it, like, this is something that we were heading towards anyways. How is this not the way, like, um, I think Skype was the biggest one, right? So it's like your family and friends talk on Skype, you know? Then Apple came out with FaceTime. So then remember those ACN guys and they had their phones with their little screen on it and that's what they wanted to sell, right? Like, I don't know if Trump was involved or whoever it was, but there's some big yeah, money yeah. behind that and that yeah, failed MLM because that, that, it, that, that it was able to be on your cell phone, right? So Apple and, and, and Google or Samsung, you know, created these uh, options for people to have this now, just like speaking to your friends and family. You were pretty well-versed in Zoom. In fact, you're the first person to teach me how to use Zoom. So you obviously had some sort of communication business related through Zoom before the pandemic. So that's why that platform existed. So this has been something that people have been trying. It just wasn't widely accepted. Sure. Nobody, nobody felt like that was good enough. There wasn't, there wasn't, it was a, it was like a, a sign of disrespect almost that you wouldn't meet with someone personally to talk business. If right? I go back 15 years, maybe even longer, if I go back 15 years and I look at my, my journals and I look at my goals, I uh -huh. can tell you for a fact, well, one, because it's still on there, is that my goal was to be able to have a business that I could run from a beach anywhere, right? Nice. And that led me to learn all kinds of technologies. So, for example, FaceTime, Apple's, uh, when Apple came out with FaceTime, I was like, already working on a system for my construction sites where I could work from anywhere and see the site, speak to the people, you know. I was planning yep. on making all these cameras and microphones and speakers all over the, the construction sites that I was working on. A and then all of a sudden FaceTime came out and I was like, oh, now all I have to do is get everybody a phone and I can have a live stream from anywhere, anytime, any site, see anything I want to see whenever I want yep. from anywhere. And, and, and so, yeah, I, I guess you're right. It hasn't exacerbated the issue. It has accelerated the issue. But are people ready for this? Because I'll, I'll talk to people on Zoom all the time for business meetings, and a lot of them are in the office now by choice because they've been given a choice. Do you want to stay working from home with your kids and your dog and your husband and mm -hmm. whatever? Or do you mm -hmm. want to come back to the office? And a lot of people, at least at the moment, are like, fuck yeah, I'm coming back to the office. I can't deal with this shit anymore. Did you see the article? What 
so I, I've been saying this now for a few weeks is eventually you'll be outsourced to Mexico. If you, if you don't have some sort of value where it's like, I can come in twice a week to be able to work from the office and make sure that you could see, you know, what I'm doing. Eventually they're going to be like, why are we paying TK living in Barrie while the job is downtown Toronto when Mark who lives in Mexico and wants half the wages and speaks fluent English can do the exact same job, right? Like that, that's the issue. So in the article, they talked about it and they said that people's job security is at risk. They didn't mention about it being outsourced to another country. They just said, it's impossible to make a connection with your employers just based off your, you know, grainy zoom screen uh, meetings that you're having on a daily basis. Like you need to connect with someone personally so that they feel like they know you and that's why they want to keep you on. Even if there may be a cheaper option out there for you, like you have to remember that kind of stuff, right? Like human beings are involved. We are not a hundred percent productive. There's all sorts of inefficiencies in every businesses and humans are part of that. So to be one of those inefficiencies, you need to keep your job. And how, you, how do you do that? That's through close personal relationships with the employers and managers. Well, and I mean, I, I haven't been an employee for a long time. But uh, I mean, I would, I would say that when I was one, I wasn't as efficient as I could have been because I was in the office. I mean, I went to the bathroom for a long time with a newspaper, like most people do when they have a job. But when I'm self-employed, I'm not in the bathroom so long because I got shit to do. No mm -hmm. pun intended. But <laughs> but you know what I mean? And like I'm not standing around talking to people in the office because I don't really want to do any more work today. Right. Yep. And, and this is the reality is, I mean, most people that don't work for themselves and even some people that do work for themselves, they do stretch the day out considerably, especially as they've been working for a company for a long time and have figured out how to stretch the day out properly without getting caught. So just be being near the employer isn't necessarily a means of efficiency is what I'm trying to say in a long winded well, way. Okay. So then just to add to that, um, what you're saying, then the overall workload, right. Is not enough. And that there's going to be inefficiencies no matter what, right. So the overall workload can be increased, whether you're at the office or whether you're at home. So you're able to meet that same workload, whether you're at, at the office or at home, which is fine because that's where the employer's expectations are because they've done their research over the last 20 years to figure out in eight hours, how much work does someone do? And now with technology, that's it's increased, but they, they don't have, you know, too high of expectations. So, so, so what again, is the it answer? Goes back, it goes back to whether you're doing it from home or not, are you the right person for the job? And why do I care that you have that job if I don't know you? If I hired you and I, I've never met you, it's all been done through Zoom, it's a lot easier for me to tell you, you know what, Daryl, thanks so much for your work and here's your package and see you later. And John from, you know, um, Panama or whatever else, somewhere in South America, you know, is going to be uh, there to uh, replace you. And uh, if you can train him for the next two weeks, that would be great. Thank right. You. And and, and Buddy from Panama thinks he just hit the lottery. Yeah. Right. And he's going to work like a mother, but he's going to yeah. work like a mother to keep this job because now he's going to lift his family out of po poverty for the next three decades. Yeah. Right. With this stupid job that, you know, yeah, is a quarter All of, a of the workload is doubled. The workload is doubled. The pay is decreased. The efficiencies Word gets are out. up. Word, Word gets, gets out. out. Hey, by the way, boss, uh, maybe there's a little fee in it for me if I bring some friends along that are capable of doing what I'm doing. Now, Mr. Employee gets the option. Hey, do you want to work from home or do you want to come into the office? I'll be in the office Monday morning, sir. Yeah. Thank you. What? I'll see you there. Do you need a coffee? Yeah. Do you need, do you need anything from Tim Hortons? I'm stopping. Don't worry. It's not out of the way. Just yeah, tell me what you I'll need and I'll bring for it for you. It too. Right? <laughs> you don't have to give me cash. This is reality. Money. This is reality. It's not all about numbers and charts and everything else. It's about people and human connections and relationships. And that's what makes up a workplace. So, but is changing all of these homes short sighted or smart is the initial question. I think it, it's definitely short sighted in a huge amount of the cases that I have been um, privileged to, to understand completely. I'm sure there's others where it, they should have moved out of the city a long time ago. And, and this is like, this is great. In fact, they, they did it too late. They should have done this a long time ago, but um, we won't know. We won't know until the end. The problem with the market, the way it is, 
is once you get a job, um, sorry, once you move away because you feel like your job no longer requires you to be in the city, okay? And then all of a sudden it does again and you have to move. You know, there's uh, real estate expenses and all that kind of stuff like that can be a write-off because you're moving more, more than 40 kilometers um, in order to be closer to work. So that's fine. Um, so maybe, you know, you can claim some of maybe your losses too. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Talk to an accountant, but at the end of the day, are you really going to be able to get the money back that you just paid for? I just, a guy asked me about a property in Aurelia or somewhere out in those areas. And he said, uh, what happened? It was listed at 750. It was such a great house. It sold for $1.1 million. This was this week, $1.1 million. That's $350,000 over asking for a house somewhere around Barrie or Aurelia or something like that. I can't remember. It's crazy. And, and that's a great segue into this next article. Hold on. Uno momento, por favor. Speaking of people from Panama, mm. your house makes more than you do. Oh, well, this is kind of interesting. Do, do, do. So, so uh, what this is basically saying is that with the market, you know, changing 28.5, 30% from, you know, January to January, it's very likely that your house has inflated more than your salary in the past year. Yep. Which is crazy. Isn't it? No, we've, we've been there. Well, no, we've been there many times before. Not crazy. Okay. Yeah. It's not I that thought crazy. that was a little more interesting. A headline grab. I guess. Uh, Maybe just on average now it's, it's, it's much more common, but like, think about it in Toronto with a million dollar house going up $60,000 a year, you know, super conservative figures right? Like $60,000 is an average salary. But we're talking 30%. Well, now I know, like I said, it's, it's much, much bigger. But so, at the so end of the day, it's it, not something that's uncommon. We've been here before. I used the 6% um, appreciation. Month. We've been, we've had the 10, the double digit increases, you know, several times over the years. So, but no, somebody whose house was worth a million dollars last January, it's now worth 1.3. And their yeah. salary could be like, not 300,000. 100 grand. Yeah. That that's pretty cool. I guess. So what's our what's our what's our prediction to end the show here, Dale? So far, what what's going to happen over the next 30 days? Same. More of the, the same. same. It's yeah. going to be crazy condo market. There's going to be more condo launches that I think will go pretty pretty fast, pretty crazy. Yep. There's going to be more single family home launches that sell out in eight milliseconds there will be more inventory and more sales so okay. maybe the inventory level goes up but the sales will more than meet that demand and it won't okay. seem like inventory really went up and i would guess that <clears throat> pricing will still go up what i think uh um, you think that sounds super plausible. I don't. I don't think that that's that's you know, best indicator of future market um, uh, trends is is past market behavior, right? So that's what we saw, and uh, that's what we've been seeing. So the likelihood of it to continue on that path is is very high, for sure. You were much more black and white a few months ago. That was very gray. That was very okay. politically correct, and oh. I just think there's a lot of volatility. What do in the you market. think? I think I think that you're right. I think that the market's going to continue to go. Ooh, I it's like just, hearing I will that. not be shocked if all of a sudden there's way more listings available and those offers that are ridiculously over asking stop happening. I will not be shocked. I, I won't. I, I wouldn't say, "Oh my gosh, who would have saw that coming?" I would have been like, "Yeah, obviously, this is what happens when the market's so crazy. It's like it just doesn't last very long like this." But again, you know, looking at the past couple months, you're you're probably have a more accurate prediction this month than me. I don't know if that's true, but I mean, interest rates are just above one percent. I mean, yep. I I just don't know what the hell would stop this thing. But we when we talk about interest rates, you have to always like bring it back down with perspective. It's like so if you have an additional. For 2%, if you have an additional 20% more buying power because of that 2% interest rate, right? You have to remember there's a stress test still involved, right? So it's really just an affordability thing. 
if the market's gone up 30%, like what good is that 20% savings that you have anyway? So like eventually interest rates aren't going to be as big of a help as we hope that they would be, right? Or that you would assume that they'd be like, I get it. If the interest rates were 3% and the next day it's at two, then yeah, 10% buying power that everybody in the city all of a sudden has is going to increase prices 10%. But it's not the case, right? Interest rates can't go any lower. Well, they can, but they're not going to. It's really weird what's going on, and especially like rents are going down and all the people that rent are losing their jobs and they're all getting free money every month, uh-huh. right? And yep. homeowners and business owners and asset owners, like it's going through the roof. Cleaning house. Yep. K-shaped recovery. T-K-shaped recovery. So if you own a lot of assets... And you are, you know, looking to divest over the next few years and thinking like, when is a good time to start? Let's say I got 10 rental properties and I know I want to sell them all. Do I, you know, what do I do? Right. So this is like our buddy, Brian from the comment section. He's in the condo section. He wants to start unloading his condos. Maybe it's for this very reason. Maybe he's afraid that the values will start to plummet and he should start getting out while the going's good. Yeah. So, I mean, the going's good, right? Going so that's that's all good. I can tell you is the go, the going's good now. So if you're thinking about when's the time to start to when's the time to start um, selling and 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 taking that uh, equity and putting it into another asset, well, you know what? There may there may be an opportunity right now for you to do that, and I think you should seriously consider it to make sure that you're getting as much equity out of the property as possible, and maybe you leave a little bit of um, you know meat on the bones right and that you know a year from now you could have gotten more that's possible but chances are you're going to take that money and put it into something else and you know you you mitigated your risks because there could be a lot less money uh, a year from now too you don't know so 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 as a good realtor will always say there's never a better time to sell and there's never been a better time to buy i like that there you go right (laughs) well i mean at the end of the day we don't know that's the truth we just i I look at it super conservatively. What is it that I'm faced with right now? And if I cannot afford uh, to buy a property, uh, if the prices go up any further, then yeah, I, I have to get in today. But that, and if I cannot afford to lose $100,000 on the sale of this home because I'm going to retire and the price that I'm getting today is more than enough for me to retire, could I really take the risk and, and find out a year from now that I, I, I can't sell for that price anymore? I mean, so, so, but if you are fortunate enough to have owned a house and you did lose your job and your house just went up more than your salary like Mm -hmm. you feel like things are hunky-dory because now your house went up 30 percent and you're getting free money from the government so you're sitting there going i hope this keeps going on this this is great recession (laughs) it's it's crazy anyways that's a good place to end good to see you you, sir Thank you. Appreciate it. Please, uh, everybody, if, you ha- if you're still sticking around, subscribe, like, make a comment. We love your comments. Check out the website, torontorealestateshow.com, for all the episodes, articles, friends of the show section. Did you see that, TK? No, I didn't see that. You haven't been out. on our website lately, have you? It's oh, a boy. revamped website, so check it out. Nice. If you want to be a guest on our show, there's a form that you can fill out as well. We have a great lineup booked up next week. Mike Jones, the money man, Uh, will be joining us again. And after that, we there. This is the last time that people will see just the two of us for a very long time. Well, other than stat shows. But we don't. You should be those. a booking manager for some of the other podcasts because you're on fire. Yeah, I have nothing else to do. You're just booking guests left, right, and this center. This is my full-time job. But yeah, we've got Ben Myers coming up in a couple of weeks. If you don't know who he is, you are going to love what he has to say. He is the consultant of the stars in the development space. This guy can tell you everything when it comes to development. Genius. We've got Ben Gom from Project Studio Architects the week after that. Ben is a wonderful architect, and even more interestingly, I'll bet for our audience and for you, TK, he's been my best friend since grade one. 
Hey, we'll ask him some really nice personal questions about yeah, you then. So we will get deep into Daryl. Anyways, <laughs> thank you everybody for watching. We will see you the next time. And uh, hopefully TK's next video will be two minutes and 30 seconds long for your <laughs> enjoyment. All right. Thanks, thanks for watching. Amazon tiene todo lo que necesitas para tu dormitorio, desde productos esenciales hasta ropa y decoración e incluso ropa de cama para... Si, 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 si estás activas. Y si estás regulares también. Ahorra en todo para la universidad en Amazon.